Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You've reached um, Voices of the Cannabis War, where we are delivering you the news right from the front lines of prohibition and the prohibition this week is crazy and today we have a a, just a remarkable show um that you guys are just really going to enjoy so stay tuned but first i just want to tell you guys a little bit about what our show is um we are the voices that you can't hear the voices that are locked up in prison the voices of people going to prison we're the one we we talk about what the tv won't tell you um the tv news does, does not does not let you know anything about, you know, what's going on behind the scenes of prohibition. So um, this, this show is what that's for. We come together every Sunday morning for free. None of us get paid. We are all volunteers. Um, I am one of the hosts of the show. show. My name is Kristen Ann Floor, and I want to end prohibition. Eugene Fisher is the other host of the show. He spent 25 years in prison on a life sentence, and he comes every Sunday to try to end prohibition. He wants it over, too. That's that's the goal of this show is to to give our part towards the end of prohibition. Um, this show is also uh, produced by Mindy Griffiths uh, for Portland, Oregon. Mindy is a prison outreach expert and an expert on quite a bit of things. Actually, we're really happy to have her part of this. And we're a group. We're called Val Voices of the Cannabis War, where we ask everybody to take take your vow to honor our prisoners and to stand up for our prisoners as they serve their long, tormenting sacrifices behind bars. Um, the show is given to us by CCHI Radio. It's a platform of a, a few other radio shows, and I urge everybody to check their shows out. There's, they, they're trying to pass an initiative to get cannabis um, to where, that, well, basically the initiative is going to free prisoners, and it's going to make it legal in, in California so people don't have to go to prison for it anymore. So check them out. Um, we today's show. I'll just start talking a little bit about today's show. Oh, and we also have Becca, who's also a screener. She's not a screener today, but we want to thank Becca, of course, for being part of the show as well. Um, today, I'm going to tell, give you guys a lineup because we're we are literally going to go quickly because we have guest after guest after guest. So we are going to be on time today with the guests and follow a, an order, which sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But um, this the topic of today's show is the movers and shakers in the fight against prohibition. And when you guys hear the people that are coming on to our show today, you will know exactly what I'm talking about when I say it. Because we're gonna first we're gonna hear from Beth Curtis, who is definitely a mover and a shaker at, at, in this war. Um, Beth's brother, John Knox, has been in prison since 1994. Okay, John has been in prison for cannabis. Um, he's been tormented by the government um, since you know, before he went to prison, but he's still to this day being tortured by them. And what I mean be tortured, it goes beyond um, anything you can ever imagine because John was sentenced to two, two, two consecutive life sentences plus 20 years. So basically when John leaves our earth the first time, he will still um, be tormented by the government because according to them, he's going to have to come back twice 
and then do another 20 years. So I, I, that's, that's what I call that, tormented by the government. His sister as well. In fact, she's been so tormented by her, her brother being in prison that for the last 20 years, almost, yeah, for the last 20 years, Beth has been advocating for other prisoners as well as her brother serving life sentences. Um, in fact, it was a big, a big, um, a big wind underneath Eugene Fisher's wings while he was in prison. Beth was one of the few people that he had to turn to. You can hear more about what her efforts at lifeforpot.com. Um, she's been in, in D.C. all week advocating for, actually, all, I don't know, it seems like months and months now, advocating for our prisoners. So we're going to hear from her first, and we're going to talk to her till about 925. Um, she has someone that she's been working with, as well as me and Mindy. We've all been working with somebody by the name of Jeff Eichen, who is doing a documentary on our lifers. Uh, you might have seen some of his work through Jeff Mazansky's uh, videos that you've seen of him in prison. Yeah, all those were shot by Jeff. So we're gonna we're gonna talk to him and Beth for just just a few minutes too, and then after that we're gonna go. We usually go into Craig Cecil's time, but Craig Cecil was on lockdown and he has to work this morning. So we're gonna spend a few minutes talking about Craig. We're gonna do Mindy's updated about about 9:25, and then um, after that we may or may not hear from Kevin Saunders who got his charges dropped. So we'll talk to him for a few minutes about what it feels like to be free and not have to worry about the government sending him off to prison. And then at 9.45, we are going to talk to George Monterano. George Monterano spent 33 years of a life sentence in prison. He's a huge inspiration to us all. You do not want to miss his segment. And then at 10 o'clock, we're going to hear from a friend of mine, um, the New Jersey Weed Man. Um, New Jersey Weed Man is known for, you know, getting out of trouble basically through jury nullification. He's, he's went to two trials and one for cannabis. And his his spot, the joint, was just recently raided. And he went to jail for it. He got out. And now he's going to tell us a little bit what's going on. We're going to talk to him till about 1020. And about 1020, we're going to hear from Stephanie Landa from Freedom Grow, who just recently raised tons and tons and tons and tons of commissary money for our plant prisoners. You don't want to find, you don't want to miss what she has to say. It's going to be very, very, very important. She's also an ex-POW. And her son is in prison max for our plant so we want to we want to uh we'll touch base with her and then about 10 30 we're going to hear from dr allen and tom corby uh, tom corby is going to give us our northern california news update and dr allen who has went to prison for the plant who's, who's very very known for um his, his fight for our plant is going to tell us all about his uh coming up trip to china and we're going to talk about what the government is continues to do to him so um, Eugene, how are you doing this morning? It's Mother's Day. Um, happy Mother's Day to everybody. <laughs> yes, happy Mother's Day to all all the mothers and all the ladies of, in the movement. Uh, I just want to announce, Christian, to the audience that my co-defendant, Randy Lanier, uh, is in the middle of doing a reality TV show. They're filming it. They came and they filmed me yesterday. Uh, so that's going to um, the pilot's going to be put out there, and then let's see if uh, where it goes. I'll I'll advise on the next program uh, a little more details about it. Uh, and I just want to mention cool. one other thing. Yeah, yeah, it's cool as can be. Uh, it's it's a major production. There were like seven people in my condo yesterday filming me, uh, interviewing me. One of the questions 
they asked me, the lady moderator asked me, I want to repeat, and I'll repeat my answer. She asked me if I thought Randy could have made other decisions and uh, inferring that he shouldn't have gotten involved with the marijuana and so on. I said, listen, I can't answer for Randy. Well, I'll answer for myself. The answer is emphatically no. Uh, I don't believe I did anything wrong. I don't feel guilty. It was a marijuana charge. It was all fabricated, the whole thing. And uh, frankly speaking, uh, I, I just don't believe it's a crime. And uh, uh, yes, I did a lot of time for it. Uh, the only way I could, I could have gotten prevented from doing the time was to become a, a cooperating wit wit witness, a snitch, and I refused to do that. So no, I told her I don't feel that uh, uh, that we did wrong uh, in what we did, and I don't feel any guilt. So anyway, well, there's no victims, and how how did you do anything wrong? Excuse me. I said, if there's no victim, then how did you how could you possibly have done anything wrong? It's exactly what I told them. I said I want huh. I want I, I want you to know I want the people listening into this interview to know that they said in my trial, but they say for all of the marijuana accusations they make, there are no victims. So my question was exactly that, Christian. I said, if nice. there's no victims, what was the crime? Uh, well, she asked me uh, if there was any violence involved. I said, absolutely no violence involved. As far as I know, the uh, the, the the straight marijuana things are always without violence. Right. Well, so, for you, you and you and Randy Lanier serving life sentences for a plant with no violence at all is, is going to make for a really good reality show. I think. I think I think it, it makes a point. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's let's okay. talk to Beth it's Curtis Beth, because she has also been affected. On. Yeah, and she's also been affected by a life sentence because her brother John Knock has been in prison since 1994. She's going to tell us about what her efforts and what she's trying to trying to out overcome what she's trying to do in DC and update on what what's going on with her. You know, Good morning, she, she was one of the few women, few people who reached out to me when nobody else was around. For oh. there were advocates, other advocates, and so on. She's just a wonderful person. I know. I love her too. Um, she's on the line with us right now, Eugene. Good morning, Beth. Good morning. How are you? Nice to hear from you. Good morning, Beth. You. Happy so Mother's nice Day. Beautiful voice. Thank you. Uh, I say that because I know it's you're so a mother, but you're also the mother of the movement. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, that makes me blush, but um, <laughs> yeah, I am a mother, <laughs> and I will. <laughs> They will give me dinner, so I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Beth, tell us some of the <laughs> so, exciting things that that you're doing and that's happening. Well, I've I've had a pretty interesting uh, last three months. Uh, I've probably been to D.C. four times. Um, I I want to tell you about the first time, uh, the one of them, it was uh, the FAM 25th anniversary, and uh, they flew Billy Deagle and also uh, Larry Duke to D.C. to go to the dinner. And 
I can't tell you how sweet it was to see those two people free and um, walking around. It was it was it was just oh it it, it just was too bittersweet for words. I um, anyway the fam dinner was uh, big and they had uh, people from the Justice Department and the White House speak and it, the uh, dinner was full of. Uh, former inmates who had either had their sentences commuted or who had been released. So it was like a reunion for them because, in general, they're not not really allowed to associate with each other, and they were from all over the country. So they, they got to see lots of friends that they'd known 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. It was, it was so it was such a nice event. Uh, then after that, the next uh, event I went to was a, um, a White House briefing, and that was done by the put on by the Open Society. It was the Justice Resource Center in um, D.C. And uh, basically, the thrust of it was for um, clemency, and it was to thank. Uh, President Obama for the clemencies that have been get granted and to uh, encourage more. And I was able to meet so many people who'd had their sentences commuted because uh, many of them were there also to thank him. And um, it is it's hard to explain what it's like to talk to people who have just finally regained their freedom after 20 or 25 years. You know what it's like, Eugene. It's the the joy is just beyond belief. And the last one was a reentry conference, which was a White House briefing, and that was also uh, very informative. And it and uh, the thrust of that one was pretty much to uh, to encourage reentry in the band the box movement, reentry re groups to start giving uh, inmates an opportunity for a second chapter in their lives, and um, also to encourage Congress to pass a sentencing reform bill. So that's pretty much how uh, wow. how the three events went, and I was able to wow. see so many people that I would not have been able to meet because they live on opposite coasts. And it, it was a very nice, nice time. And I, uh, because of, because of I am who I am, I had to recover from all that traveling. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty rigorous. I, um, uh, Beth, I was wondering, I was wondering, I've, I've seen all the pictures out there. I was wondering, you know, you guys got looked like you had so much energy, and you had oh, Amy, Amy out there with Amy Pova, and you were out there with Stephanie Landa. Yes, Stephanie was at the last um, event, and I was so happy to see her. I had met Stephanie before, one time before at the um, Michigan Cannabis Cup, and uh, but I was really happy to happy to be able to spend time with her in D.C. She. <laughs> We were, we were, of course, <clears throat> all pretty excited. 
and um, nice. Yeah, nice. that's neat. It it was it was wonderful. Did the, you have um, a chance? To, oh, go ahead. Pardon me. Oh, go ahead. I was I was going to ask you a question, but I didn't realize you were still telling us about Stephanie. No, I'm not. I I, I go ahead and ask. Oh, I was going to say, did you have a chance to talk to any congressman or anybody about your brother while you were out there? Um, yes, of course. Uh, there was a there was a um, one event was in the um, Senate. It was in a, in the Senate building. I think it must have been the Russell Building or something. In a, and uh, Senator Lee and I think uh, Durbin were both there talking to us, and uh, they had panels. Uh, a lot of the panels were made up of the formerly incarcerated who'd received commutations, and they're very impressive people. I can hardly tell you how articulate they are and how they're able to talk about uh, what clemency means to them and the people that they left behind. They're all working very hard to find sentencing relief for those they left behind, and that that's quite gratifying. Nice. Uh, Beth, I'm wondering, um, the president, from what I understand, just recently commuted another 51 people. Um, I've heard that one was a plant prisoner serving life, a friend of Antonio Bascaro's. Do you know anything about that? Uh, there was one uh, one marijuana that was, I think he commuted 58 this last time, and one of them was a marijuana uh, inmate. Well, uh, one of them people are saying was marijuana he, he it was actually a mixed uh mixed marijuana and cocaine but um yeah and i did not know that that uh prisoner and i do not know why um yeah. this uh this time the commutations most people did not were not aware of who they were uh so mm. we we don't know uh, how the, uh, how their advocacy went or or um, anything about it, but um, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people who who maybe advocate for cocaine may have known uh, known of them and they may have been uh, uh, friends of the formerly incarcerated, but but I wasn't aware of that particular person. So Beth. Um, I wondered, as, as you're talking, can you give us an idea of the feel in Washington, D.C., if there are any winds of change occurring concerning uh, marijuana and the and the uh, prison system? You know, we have to be totally vigilant about that because uh, right now there's a sentencing bill that they're hoping to get, uh, the, the White House is, is hoping um, to get passed. And um, you want to make sure that uh, that uh, the emphasis on um, commutations is not lost in the effort to do the sentencing reform. And uh, no, continue to let them know that it's important because there are still lots of people who are incarcerated who need commutations. And so that's kind of going to be the thrust of what I do 
in the next few months is uh, the sentencing reform bill is absolutely important and needs to be supported in every way. But there are there's a certain class of um, of uh, offenders who will not get relief from the sentencing reform bill, and they are those who have life sentences because they were charged with conspiracy and went to trial. And they are excluded, at least from my understanding, they're excluded from the sentencing reform bill because um, they have put in, there's a, a section there that says they needed to have provided assistance, and no one who went to trial did. That's kind of the whole basis of our justice system. When you go to trial, you are you, you don't provide assistance. You're um, saying that you're not guilty of everything you're charged with. So that's that's just a little uh, FYI about about uh, what's going on. And so I I. I think we need to really talk about those individuals who need, still need commutations in order to be free before they die. And there yeah. are not a lot, not a lot, um, because going to trial is a rare thing. Only about three percent of uh, people who are charged decide to exercise their Sixth Amendment right to trial, but. Um, all of these, there, the people who did have an extra hurdle in, in terms of getting sentencing relief. So I'm kind of uh, that's kind of the route I'm going, and I am doing it mainly through uh, personal contact with people in D.C. and people who are uh, in the forefront of the sentencing reform movement. It'll, and uh, it'll start with a Memorial Day card because, and, and Jean, you'll, you'll be uh, interested in this because I'm going to, um, part of the Memorial Day mailing will be, I will, I will feature Kenny Kabinsky. And Kenny is, I think Kenny is 70 years old now. And you talked about him, I think, Last week, I'm not sure if it was last week or the week before, but sometime. But Kenny, yes, sir. Kenny really um, needs to have uh, a commutation. Uh, Kenny is not a strictly marijuana inmate, and um, he they he also had co- cocaine charges, uh, and uh, that that doesn't in any way. Uh, deter me from uh, kind of featuring him because Kenny is a remarkable person and his um, main outside support in the past was a man named Chris Russell who uh, was a social worker with the Veterans Administration and I believe was part of Kenny's case but he was released many years ago and went back and got uh, a graduate degree, and he uh, he really was Kenny's support. And Chris died maybe, I'm not sure, maybe three months ago. Kenny was, uh, Chris was a, a wonderful advocate, and um, Kenny was a 
a war hero. Kenny had three Purple Hearts, a Bronze Star for Valor in Vietnam, and many other um, decorations. And yet he's been in prison for, I think Kenny's been in for well over 20 years. I should take a look just to be sure. But Kenny owned a construction company with his brothers, and he was arrested in 1993. And um, they even indicted Kenny's wife. He had three children. The oldest was six. So he's been incarcerated ever since his children were were Two of them were preschoolers. And um, you can see Kenny has... Uh, actually is a contributor to uh, a veteran's uh, publication. And I think it's just called, uh, I think that's what it's called, Veteran. And you can find articles that Kenny has written in, in their online publication. It's called Veteran Online. And, uh, excuse me, go ahead. Oh, uh, Beth, um I just have I have a question for you. Um, well, not necessarily a question, but we have Jeff Eichen, and he's waiting on the line. He he would like to to talk to you for just a second. He's doing a, a documentary called Lifers. Um, but I just wanted to say, you know, while we've got while you're out there in D.C., um, we just I just want you to know that the Voices of the Cannabis War had your brother in our hearts completely. This weekend, we had a Freedom Cannabis March down in Portland that Mindy was a part of, where we gathered. I I, I don't know how many, but we gathered. A couple hundred for prisoners total, but I, um, a good amount of those were, were from for your brother. And we also did it in Seattle. In fact, I held your brother's sign and, and told told everybody how your brother was serving two consecutive life sentences plus 20 years on stage down there and on, in downtown Seattle. And then we gathered a ton of letters for Je- for for uh, for John there as well. So I just wanted to let you know that while you're out there fighting, yes, like we can support prisoners yes of course but i would just want all of our listeners to know why she's out there fighting for all of our prisoners um some of our prisoners have been accepted for the clemency project that means that they can free them so we're trying to gather letters nationwide in fact there's a couple different groups gathering letters for some of these prisoners and if you're listening and you want to download a letter or a poster or anything like that just um get in contact with me and i'll hook you up with exactly where you need to go to get to get to make that happen so we can help get some of our lifers out free, like, like best brother, John Nock. Um, but um, Beth, I'm going to bring Jeff on. I think he has okay. uh, uh, something he wants to talk to you about. Hold on just a second. Um, you got every, <laughs> listeners. This is Jeff Eichen. Um, he's, he is doing a documentary called lifers. Uh, good morning, Jeff. You're on with me and Eugene and Beth. Beth. Good morning, everybody. And uh, thanks good for morning. having me. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, Beth. Hello, Jeff. Nice to hear from you. Thanks for all your uh, your road work. I know uh, it's tiring, but um, uh, just, you know, we have to keep our hearts in the right position for, for freedom. <laughs> yes, and it's not tiring probably for everybody, but just for me. Well, thank you so much. tiring for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) It was probably extra tiring. You've been doing it for so long. Yeah, I I, I know. I can't stop. Well, I wanted to thank you, Beth, so much for – I want to let everybody know that that our movie – 
will be debuting at Hempfest in Seattle this uh, this summer in August. So come on down. It's one of the largest shows on earth on the West Coast. Um, over a million people come, and um, uh, so Sharon and Vivian, they they graced me with an interview. And um, I have some news today about Mother's Day that I want to share with you. But before that, I wanted to thank Beth for not only for all the courageous work that, that you've been doing, but um, I mean, Wavy Gravy just had his 80th birthday, and and he's a you know he's an icon, and so many icons are staying and leaving, and and Kristen's father was you know was lost in prison, and this absurdity has. Um, definitely got to stop and um, be revised, and the old school you know, has to become the new school. But I wanted to honor Beth today um, for all the advice and help and mothership that she's been you know, giving to all of us in, in this for staying at it for so long, Beth. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice. I, I do it for myself, but I certainly hope that it's uh, useful for others because that's my whole deal. <laughs> it's right, uh, right. It's, a, it's a cause I can't give up. Well, since day one, um, Sharon um, Whitson at Hempfest uh, told me that she had two lifers that she was sponsoring. I said, what's a lifer? And I worked with Jack Herrera, for God's sakes, and I didn't know that this existed. And so... Mm-hmm. I- crying on my birthday when she told me this and and installing my brain and my direction of my life to turn to making my movie Lifers and going in prisons and filming in prison Jeff Mazansky and to see his freedom I was so impounded with um, with force and with energy to let the world know through film that this happening and with Beth on our side, we're going to win this with four. Yep. And your brother's going to come home part. someday, Beth. Pardon me? Oh, yeah. You said your brother's going to come home someday. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I can't imagine that he, will, that he will not. I mean, it's, it's unthinkable to me. So, and, and all the others, too, because it, it does break your heart. It's funny when you said something about being a mother. Uh, when I, I I tried very hard when I first started to get um, inmates to respond because they were naturally suspicious of someone writing them and wanting information. And, and there was one who would not write me at all, and I kept trying, or, or he wouldn't return any any. Um, letters that I wrote or anything, and I just kept it up. And finally, I must have said the right thing because he said, okay, I get it now. You're like my mom. (laughs) 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 Right. (laughs) So then he sent me information and I could profile him. But uh, now I think think inmates pretty much know that there are people out there that will profile them and they they respond in a more spontaneous way. You don't have to beg them anymore. <laughs> well, All right. I wanted to you share guys, well, we got to Can I just share um, we something move... really quick? Yeah, yes, of course, Jeff, go for it. Let me, let me share something really quickly. For Mother's Day, I wanted to honor the children. 
And um, I just met a family that was impacted by this whole um, travesty, and um, it's it's bombastic, and it's going to change, and it is changing. Um, and so I'm going to do pull my first interview for one of my episodes, my six episodes, um, on lifersthemovie.com. Um, I'm going to be interviewing a family and talking to the children and seeing how they were impacted on this Mother's Day. I'm really proud to announce that. Nice. Good. Very nice. Do you have any final thoughts? No. um, Just thank thank you for having me, and we'll let you move on. Okay. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, you, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Beth, I just want to tell you, too, personally, that I look up to you so much. And the fact that you've oh, been here for 20 years fighting makes me, like, I've been here for five years fighting, but it makes me feel like I can, if you can do it, I can do it. And I look up to you, and you are an inspiration. Um, and Eugene hit it right on the nose earlier when he called you the mother, the mother of the movement. I agree 100%, and I, I honor you, and I thank you for your sacrifices as well. Amen. Oh, thank you. I may someday be the be the grandmother of the movement. I don't know. I hope no. I hope that maybe you are. Yeah, grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Beth. You thank guys you. can know Bye-bye. more. Goodbye. I love you. You guys can know I'm more so about you. Beth about about the prisoners that Beth represents, and you can learn more about the lifers serving life sentences by going to her website. At Life for Pot, and it's F O R P O T, lifeforpot.com. Um, and you'll see work that she's been doing there for like a, like two over two decades. So you just check that out and ch- find out what's going on. In fact, I remember back when I was with the Human Solution, um, and Adela Falk was with the Human Solution, and I was talking to Joe Grumbine one day, and he's like, um, Adela just found out there's like 50 people in prison for life and she's like really heartbroken and she, she's just having a really bad day and come to find out. I was like, well, how'd she find that out? He was, she was like Beth Curtis's website, uh, life for pot. She found it and she's just really mad. And so like, um, like that, 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 that website helped inspire a very strong advocate to fight for lifers too. So like her, her website might inspire you. So please just check it out lifeforpot.com because no one should have to go to jail or die for our plant. Um, next, you guys, we're going to move into um, Craig Cecil is, is not able to call in this morning, so we're going to talk a little bit about Craig Cecil, and Mindy Griffiths, the producer of the show, is joining us right now, and she is going to tell us what's going on with Craig and also tell us uh, what's uh, give us a Mindy update, talk to us about uh, her, the march that she was at this weekend um, where she spoke on stage, represented our our lifers and got letters signed for them and all that. Like Mindy was just a big, huge, powerful woman, um, a little tiny, big, huge, powerful woman this weekend. Good morning, Mindy. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, Eugene. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to you. Yeah. I uh, Well, first let's start with Craig. Um I got a message from Craig uh, last week. He was not able to participate because they were on lockdown. And then this week, and I, I'm not sure if he would want to use the word gripe. Um, I'm going to, since he's not going to be on the show, I'm going to tell you guys a few little inside secrets about Craig. He worries that when he comes on the show that he's not positive enough and that people think he's big griping. And so, um, oh, uh. which I just, 
I know. I just think that that just touches my heart. It's, it's like, are you kidding Everything me? You're so positive. My heart. He wants so, to write. That's what we're here for. We're here to listen. Anyway, so, exactly. to <laughs> so he said. He said one of the things I wanted to gripe about, and that's the part I don't think he would really want me to tell people that word, <laughs> is that now they serve <laughs> us bologna all three meals per day. Did you guys hear that? He's getting that nasty, green, slimy rubber. I'd rather eat the pretend bologna that they put in those kids' little, you know, food kitchen thingies. I'd rather eat that rubber than the stuff that they feed them. Anyway, um, previous, he said, previously we got two cartons of milk and a little baggie of brand cereal for breakfast. Now one slice of bologna is breakfast. Uh, wow. Mindy, maybe you want to describe what the lockdown is for our audience. Uh, you well, tell Eugene, us, Eugene. I think that you should tell us what lockdown <laughs> is. I've never experienced it. I only get to hear it from everybody else. But so you well, can tell us what 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 lockdown was like for you. Uh, it's one of the it's it's prison within prison, and what happens is something will occur on the compound in the prison and the authorities feel they have to lock everybody in their cells for that reason. And they uh, usually, uh, in order order to feed them and do everything to the prisoners that are locked down 24 hours a day in their cells, they bring in like people from the camps or some other place to help bring in things. And, when you mentioned, Mindy, that they get bologna sandwiches, I want people to envision this. Here you are in your 8 by 10 cell, generally, uh, well, almost 100% of the time, with another cellmate. So there's two of you in there. You've got your toilet there. You've got no privacy if you want to go to the bathroom uh, from your cellmate, uh, although you figure ways of putting up curtains and so on. They generally don't let you take showers except every couple of days. Uh, you, it's boring to death. Many times people don't have anything to read or do anything else while they're locked, locked down. And let me just emphasize for people who are listening, when I say lockdown, they put that steel door shut, and there's a slot in it where they put the food through Otherwise, you're totally isolated from the rest of the prison, each prisoner. And it's well, not Eugene, I do want to make sure I do point out that he's not on lockdown anymore. Mm-hmm. He just can't, he couldn't call in today because they're making him work. Yeah, they're making him work, Mindy, because they locked him down so they couldn't work before. So now they got to work to try to make up uh, for that time they were in lockdown. So that the guards can make the money, the guards who run the Unicor can make the money that they lost because they, the prison authorities, locked down the prisoners who are the workers in Unicor. Yeah, well, he he wasn't happy. Although I did um, tell him about how we got letters signed for him up in Seattle and then yesterday at the march for Portland. Um, And, you know, and that definitely. you know, cheered him up a little bit. I, I, or at least he said so. (laughs) 
So, um, well, you guys know that his daughter, Lauren, who is um, looking like she's becoming a huge advocate for her dad, just posted a video, and I just shared it on my Facebook wall. I urge everybody to go to it immediately. Sign that changepetition.org that she, she, that she wants you to sign for her dad. She's And it's just the sweetest video she, where she talks about how her dad um, used to take him on trips and all kinds of stuff like that. So I just please urge everybody to um, help support his daughter and sign the petition that she wants you to sign to free her dad. You see, that's part of, part of the thing about incarceration that Kristen and Mindy that you're mentioning, uh, what it does in ripping families apart and what it does destroying the children's lives. And it's not just not just the incarceration, but the long-term incarceration. I have yet to meet a, a child of a prisoner who, uh, the, the, who, the prisoner who was decent to their children whose children ever forget them. They work unceasingly. Many times the spouse forgets they're there. Even other family members forget they're there in prison, but the children never do, and the children suffer terrible consequences because of the incarceration of their father or their mother. Well, that was something that was talked about at the march a lot yesterday. A lot of people brought that up on stage, you you know, um, the effects of of the incarceration on, on whole families was discussed a few times. Well, you guys, I'm really close friends with a family called the Duval family. And Jeremy Duval is the son. Um, he, he did the growing and his sister did the growing, but the son and the father, the father owned land are the ones that went to jail. The father went to trial and I believe the son did too, but the father is very, very sick and he's in the medical facility and just yesterday, I found out from his brother that his dad has been on lockdown for over a month. And this last week, he basically fell off the face of the earth. They they don't know. They haven't got a letter from him, nothing. So, like, the family, mind you, who's already, they are victims of the 2011 raids um, that, that swept over our nation from Michigan. And um, now that, you know, and their their fathers just, we I advocate a form out in D.C. Um, I went out to D.C. once, too, um, and and um, her father, I, I talked to their Michigan Congress people about their dad, and Jeremy just got out, and he's on probation right now, so he can't come on our show. But his dad is, you know, he's dealing with not only being a prisoner himself, but having a family member as a prisoner, and I feel so bad for him. But we're hopefully going to help him in some way starting tomorrow. If he doesn't hear from his dad tomorrow, I'm going to take some time to try to help help the family. And so stay tuned for more details about that. Um, but Mindy, tell us more about the march and give us um, give us more updates of, of other other prisoners that you know of. Um, well, one of the most exciting things about the march that happened for me personally was that somebody came up to the booth who knew one of our prisoners, Weldon Angelos. He actually Aww. had been um, he spent time with him in in prison and. Um, and uh, knew him for many, many years, I guess, and uh, was really excited. He'd come up to the booth, and it was Weldon's wasn't one of the ones that I had put up. I, I had limited ability to put – I couldn't put all of our posters up this time. 
Um, and so he was, he was asking and I was like, wait a minute. So I went and dug through the ones that weren't up and found it and his eyes just lit up and, and he stood there for like 15 minutes talking to me about the case and how awful it was and, and, and just, and how, you know, he really, you know, please could you just help this guy get out. And he was just so passionate about it and, and to meet somebody who, had you know spent time with one of um the prisoners that we all love is was was pretty interesting for me um and then you know we just got a lot of help and support and tons of people came to the booth some people came um that had already signed and met you know saw you up in seattle um so of course i didn't have them rewrite um Paul Stanford, he's ready for us to get another batch of, of people. I got he was able to sign Andy Cox's because he hadn't seen that one yet. But um, so it's it's time for us to um, talk to everybody and see if maybe we can get a um, another chunk of prisoners that are ready for these kinds of letters, um, some letters written, so we can get more out there. We were really well received. I want to special. I want to thank Scott and Chris and Joy Graves and oh, that was what I wanted to say. Joy Graves, she carried Antonio Basquero's poster in the walk. And when Joy goes to these things, she Aww. is head to toe in pot leaves. Everything is. She just and people like stop her and ask to take pictures with her, and she's just like super famous out there. Whenever she's running around in her, um, you know, weed outfit and she held Antonio's sign and the Oregonian which is our um, state you know newspaper the the big one around here got a beautiful picture of her holding Antonio's poster and it's on the Oregon Live website if you go to the article about the march and flip through their pictures you can't miss it and um, that just tickled me to death that even more people is going to see that poster and that somebody is still serving life or not just somebody, but a lot of somebody. So um, it was great. It was really good. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Mindy, oh, um, oh, I'm, and Dawn, I wish I Dawn brought there. Our, 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 Dawn brought down all the posters and all the letters and an easy up and, and all that. And, he was really he was really helpful. I mean, I couldn't have. It was hard doing it without Kristen and without Tony and without Miggy. Okay, you guys are a dream team. <laughs> it was rough. Well, um, but I'm Mindy, so grateful uh, for Dawn everybody else us, and their help. Don helped us for ours as well. So, like extra special thanks to Don Skaggy for um, for helping us. Um, he's from Real Legalization, and he he gave us a tent to use at the Seattle March and the Portland March. And he helped get our posters down there. I couldn't make it down there for the event. And I'm, man, I wish I could have, but I, I couldn't. And so, um, oh, yeah, and, I missed you too. And I want to say, you know, if you're in Portland and you want to go see Don or have just an all-around good time, go to the Northwest Cannabis Club. It's on Powell and, I don't know, I think around uh, 11th or something like that in, in Portland. So stop by. Cool. You can go there and medicate and 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 hang out with other like-minded people. Well, we were talking about Craig Mindy and Mike Harris, who is a Human Solution member. He works with their media department down in the Southern California chapter. 
Um, he is a huge advocate for Rich, for, for Craig Cecil, and he would like to make a couple comments um, regarding Craig. So I'm going to bring him on the line. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Kristen? Good. Good. Yeah, good. Good morning, We're Mike. Good. This is How are you? Uh, good morning, Eugene. Yeah, I, I have uh, a, a few uh, things to talk about uh, Craig, if uh, your listeners might not be aware of, that um, Craig was uh, originally arrested in the year 2000 for um, a similar charge that dismissed that he had worked on some trucks that had uh, been known to uh, haul narcotics. Well, Craig's business was uh, trailer repair, and often when these uh, trucks would be used, they'd be torn apart by either the people picking them up or the DEA in case that was um, they had been arrested, but either way, Craig got the business. It's similar to, say, somebody in the industry selling fans or lights or whatever. You know, he was, um, uh, that was his end of it. And because that the charges were dropped and they didn't have a case, they they still pursued Craig, unknown to him, and he was contacted in March of uh, 2002 by a, a trucking firm that had their own um, smuggling operation going. And the reason that he was contacted is because the son, Troy Sonnenberg of Sunhill Trucking, had been arrested the week prior for hauling um, drugs, and he got busted in a Laredo. So the DEA turned him, and then um, they talked to um, Craig into joining their operation. Um, Craig refused several times, and one of the reasons why he's in prison is because the uh, federal government has hidden the tapes that would have exonerated Craig because he had specifically said Whoa. he didn't want to handle anything that was hot. And, and he's got the, wow. uh, the phone numbers uh, and lists of calls that the government has denied that they have tapes on, but apparently they had uh, recordings when it was convenient for them. Now, I had interviewed uh, both Troy's father, the uh, owner of Sunhill Trucking, uh, David Sonnenberg. I've interviewed um, several of the people that had been arrested in the, the sweep, and the case stinks like a dead fish. You know, he... <laughs> Troy, uh, yeah, and, you know, your listeners don't understand that um, Craig had never gone to trial. He was convicted because he backed out of a plea. And because he backed out of a plea that he originally was going to sign, they hit him with all of the other defendants' charges, all of them. Uh, Prior to um, them convicting Craig Cecil, uh, he was offered four years. That was the deal. And that would have been one of the lowest um, sentences of all the people that were arrested. Jose... Valdivinas, he was released in 2013. He was one of the main smugglers from uh, the Chicago area. Alejandro Vaca Ortiz released 2007. Both these people are, are linked to um, the, uh, a cartel down in Mexico. Amicio Toledo released um, 2007. Amicio Barrios released 2011. Aaron Tavares released 2009. Rodrigo Valencia Vargas released 2009. Jose M. Marino, released 2007. Troy Sonnenberg, he did four years. He was released in 2006. He was the son that set all this up. He was the guy that was the mark that busted these guys. 
Julie Ritchie. She was released in 2005. Hanley Davis was released in 2004. Both Julie Ritchie and Ann Davis were going to get life for conspiracy because they were part of the smuggling operation that brought drugs in from the border. They were um, located in um, on a border town in McCallum, Texas. They were also swept up. All of this was brought by on by Troy Sonnenberg and the father, David Sonnenberg. Now, David Sonnenberg, the owner of Sunhill Trucking, never did a, an hour of time, although he turned and ended up being um, uh, an agent or a, an informant for the DEA, although he denied it in court testimony that is documented. One of the um, people that did serve um, a lot of time for this was a man from Florida. Now, the Sunhill Trucking, their operation was centered in Florida. The um, people busted came from both Chicago and Texas. There was the two women that uh, ran the operation in Texas on the border, Julie and Ann, and their their end of it was to bring it in, and then from there it was transferred to Florida. And they had a middleman middleman named uh, Martin Dell McLimit, and he was um, went on court records saying that it wasn't the informant that he had um, brought the drugs to, but the father. And they're specifically not mentioning by names, but the only people that were involved in this that were father and son were Sunhill Trucking. And the um, the odd thing about it is, is when, not really odd, this is how it works, that Troy Sunhill, or excuse me, uh, Troy Sonnenberg, he was in custody the entire time that he set all these other people up. Um, so he was, wow. was never allowed out to contact these people. And wow. um, the phone calls with Troy and uh, Cecil have disappeared. The phone calls with um, an agent that Troy said that uh, somebody would call him for the directions. Because Troy was arrested in uh, Georgia. And it turns out the Sonnenbergs have about six or eight family members in the state of Georgia, too, mm. that weren't listed in the um, original um, affidavit. So, well, know, so now we have a man. A real now we have a Go man ahead. serving a life sentence and no evidence to prove his innocence. Well, because of a plea deal and him not ever going to court, he was convicted on a lower standard of evidence, which is just probable cause rather than reasonable doubt. That's the distinction right, that. Right that uh, Craig never went to um, court. If he had, it, he may have been able to uh, beat it. It's hard to say because the conspiracy charges are very difficult to defend yourself. Wow. And, well, Mike, and, I want to... Uh, wanna... Oh, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I thought you were finished. Oh, no, please, go ahead. Oh, I, I, I was going to... I thought you were finished, so I was going to um, thank you for calling, but if you have some more to say, go ahead. Well, it's... Um, Right now, I'm, I'm trying to research, and I'm, I'm kind of running into dead ends on trying to obtain um, information on um, who has these uh, phone recordings. Of course, uh, the government claims that these were destroyed, you know, after the case. But there was a third party that's involved that um, is sort of difficult to get a hold of. But they may have uh, another um, copies of them. The, um, and then there's the whole uh, side stories of that. The interesting thing, a lot of these people that I mentioned, you know, I, I tracked down uh, whether or not they owned properties from in the area that they lived in, and that's all was listed in 
um, uh, tax rules. And a, a large part of them did have their property seized and sold through uh, court bankruptcy. You know, it's, it's a, a firm that handles all of the asset forfeiture stuff that sells it off to the government. Uh-huh. And there wasn't a single thing that Craig Cecil had sold. And his wow. um, through interviewing, he said he had a, a $1.4 million in assets, and it's all gone. And they don't, there's no really um, record of where it went. He had um, homes, he had uh, businesses, he had four uh, haulers, he had a, a, a tow truck that was designed to haul big rigs. I mean, it's a lot of capital he had invested in his business. He even had a private airplane. And all wow. that, uh, he, it didn't end up in his kids' hands. And then there was a third party that had contacted him in between the first time that he was arrested in 2000 and 2002 named Ann Smith, who I tracked down that has about six to eight aliases. And after um, Craig was arrested, Craig thought he signed a power to, of attorney for just limited um, actions that she could do on his um, account to write checks to his lawyers or defense. He'd have somebody on the outside doing that. Well, instead, she ended up selling his property. She ended up selling a large part of it, and then after that, she started spreading the money around and bought about a dozen different homes, filed uh, trust under um, different aliases, but the signature is always the same. It's always her signature. It's on all of these records. So, And oh. then she sort of just disappeared. So, you know, conspiracy makes you kind of wonder if... Uh, that she was hmm. part of it, or or that she right. was somebody that came along that took advantage of uh, Craig. Anyways, the the story. Yeah, of- Mike, that that is interesting. I had Mindy in the background text me. This is so interesting. You know, like the story of how somebody um, like Craig ended up in prison for life. Like it's just amazing. Um, but I want to thank you for coming onto our show to tell us about Craig, and I want to invite you to come on our show in the future. Um, anytime you want to talk to Craig, um, I'd love to. I'd love to join you in on the conversation. Hopefully, he won't have to work next next weekend. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. But um, and yeah. I want to encourage you to to um, call 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 next weekend and talk to Craig too um, live, right here on a radio show, um, and hear what he has and hear what he has to say about his about his you know lockdown and having to work and his bologna sandwiches. Yeah, I got a I got a letter from him while he was in lockdown that I got yesterday, so he was explaining that. Nice, nice, cool. Well, thank you, Mike, for calling in. We appreciate it. All right, and uh, you guys have a good day, and uh, keep up the good work. Cool, thank you. All right, you guys, that was Mike Harris. He was a Human Solution member and for the, the Southern California chapter, um, and he is a good guy advocating for one of his favorite plant prisoners, Craig Cecil. Um, next, and we usually, I, w- I just want to let all of our listeners know that we usually have George Monterano on right now, who is one of Eugene's bestest friends from prison, um, and who is not here. I, he hasn't called in yet, Eugene. I just wanted to let you know that. So what we're going to do is we're going to go on to um, New Jersey Weed Man. Um, but then after New Jersey Weed Man, at about 1020, we're going to go to Stephanie Landa. And then we're going to hear from Kevin Sanders about his charges being dropped. And we're also going to hear from Tom Corby and Dr. David Allen. So we got a huge show coming up. And, Eugene, if you want to have uh, George call in towards the end of the show, I think that would be really awesome. He can give us some final thoughts about 
the movers and the shakers in in the in the cannabis um, prohibition war. Yeah, but, I'll um, try to get him. Can... I don't know why he didn't call in. Okay, yeah, just tell invite him to call in at about um, I think about about nine fifty or ten fifty would be a good time, and we can he can tell ask him if he wants to give us his final thoughts on the subject or something. But um, maybe he just forgot. I don't know. But I'm going to introduce New Jersey Weed Man, who is a friend of mine that I've known in this movement. And I met New Jersey Weed Man while he was out in Washington advocating for a trial that was coming up for the Bellingham Three. And the reason why New Jersey Weed Man was called to the area is because he had a couple cases himself where he used jury nullification and won and basically didn't have to go to prison for a plant. Um, but not only does New Jersey Weed Man advocate for no, jury nullification, that is your power to say, um, not, if, say not guilty if you're ever called to jury duty, not, not just judge if the law has been broken, but actually judge the law. And if you think the law is bad, you can say not guilty. And a lot of my advocation and a lot of the things that I talk about through jury nullification, I was, I was inspired by a lot of people, but New Jersey Weed Man inspired me he, uh, 10 times more when, when I actually saw somebody that it worked for. So um, always, always know your jury rights, but he's not just a jury nullification advocate. He's an advocate for the whole entire plant on a whole, on a whole level. Um, and he has been advocating for the plant for decades. And in New Jersey, where he's from, he'd opened up a place, a restaurant called The Joint, and it was raided. And I've been watching some videos of him and the police harassing him a couple of days before. It's just really wild what, what's been going on with him. Um, and he went to jail, and I believe some of the people that he was working with went to jail. But anyway, he is on the line right now, and he is going to tell us what is going on in this world, specifically in New Jersey. Good morning, uh, New Jer- Good morning, New Jersey Weed Man. Hey, how you doing? Ed Fortune. Ed Fortune is yes. your is your um, your name. Yes. You're here how live are you, how with are Chris, you? Kristen Floor. You're here live with me and um, Eugene Fisher. Well, I'm good. first I want to say happy Mother's Day to you. You know, today is Mother's Thank Day, you. so happy Mother's Day to you. Um, Thank you. And yes, uh, you know, people know me. They've known me for a long time. I call myself a legalizer because. I uh, have always supported all three fronts in the world in marijuana. Um, there are social slash recreational use. I've always supported legalization there. Um, spiritual use, I've always supported legalization there on that front. And I am a medical marijuana patient myself, and I've always supported medical marijuana. But I, in total, I'm a legalizer. I try not to separate myself into any particular line of arguments for legalization is that it should all be legal. No one should be in yes. prison or jail for a plan. Yes. Okay. Um, that, right. that, that being said, I've also al- always argued um, that jury nullification is a tool that we, um, the people, should use to win this war on drugs. You know, just, just like... Um, during the alcohol prohibition, one of the things that happened during alcohol prohibition was uh, juries stopped convicting people and basically forced prosecutors to stop trying people. And ultimately, it led to the to the repeal of the of the 18th Amendment, uh, the repeal of the Volstead Act. Uh, the alcohol prohibition ended 
largely because of jury nullification. And I know you've explained jury nullification to your audience, but um, in case someone doesn't understand it or doesn't know it, basically a jury has a right to judge a law as well as a fact, and they can use that their own conscience to render a verdict reflective of that law or those thoughts. You know, if a juror sitting on a jury is listening to a case, and we'll just say direct to the point, the case is a marijuana case, and the juror sitting on the case decides that he's going to judge the law, and he's looking at the law that this person is charged with and decides the law is wrong, he can just say not guilty, simple as that. Um, that easy. It's, it's something. Mm-hmm. And and it's something that we all know the prosecutors and the judges and the, the lawyers associations frown upon. They try to keep people from knowing about it, and definitely they try to keep the people from utilizing it. But there's no way to stop it if if a juror knows about it, pretty much keeps it to himself, gets on the jury, and then exercises it, then utilizes it. Um, and this has been happening more and more in America. It happened to me. In 2012, I went on trial in New Jersey. I got caught with a pound of marijuana in um, 2010, and I went on trial in 2012. Um, if I was convicted, I would have probably got a 10-year sentence, and I probably would have got done at least six years before I was eligible for parole, which means right now I'm talking to you four years after my trial, and if I had been convicted, I'd still be in prison right now. So I'm kind of on borrowed time. But fortunately for me, my jurors found me. They hung the first trial. I had a, I had a trial in May of 2012, and they hung. Um, and then the, the prosecutor decided, it hung 7-5 for acquittal, by the way. And Peter decided to retry me. And the only surprise to me was that instead of getting another hung jury, I got a jury of 12 all say not guilty and I have to admit and I admit it to everyone that I was guilty absolutely had a pound of marijuana in the state of New Jersey and when that police officer opened my trunk it was my marijuana so I absolutely 100% was guilty by the terms of the law but my jurors listening to the story listening to my reasonings for using it decided the law was wrong and found me not guilty so 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 you could go to trial for a third time, and yes, get three not yeah. guilties. I mean, what? Tell us, like, yeah. come on, you're in trouble again yeah. now. Like, and you're not. You don't even sound a little tiny bit worried. Like you're gonna beat it. Well, no, I'm not worried at all. I mean, you know, I tell people in my area of New Jersey, I am famous. I'm famous and broke, but I'm famous. I can walk around and people take pictures of me the whole nine yards. Um, You're famous in Seattle, Newspapers, too. Yeah, n- newspapers have covered me for the last 20 years. They've put my picture in the paper for the last 20 years. I am a very recognizable person in central and south, uh, southern New Jersey. And as long as it's just a marijuana case, I actually believe that I'm unconvictable. And I say <laughs> this publicly. Um well, a few weeks ago, um, you know, as you said, I, I opened up a restaurant last year. About, you know, back almost a year ago next week. Um, and and the restaurant is actually three parts to it. It's a restaurant, and then it's a, a what I call a sanctuary, and then a, a um, um, 
I call it the stash house, the third place called the stash house, which is a, basically a, a smoke shop. But the, the middle place, um, the sanctuary, is I registered it as a church, as a temple. Um, and I called it, you know, the sanctuary. I invited people to come there and smoke marijuana. I, I invited um, the 5,000 or more medical marijuana patients to whenever they're in the state of New Jersey. I mean, the 5,000 medical marijuana patients in the state of New Jersey, whenever they're in Trenton, New Jersey, to come utilize my, um, my facility. Um, and for pretty much the last year, I've been in numerous television shows. I've been uh, featured in the Wall Street Journal. Fox News has covered me. Local Fox affiliates have covered me. ABC News, NBC News. It's just, I, I couldn't pay for the amount of publicity I've gotten in the last year for having this restaurant and having this 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 uh, church, this temple. But about two months ago, suddenly I came under the wrath of the local police department. They started harassing me. They started harassing me really over hours of operation. The city of Trenton has a curfew. At 11 o'clock, all businesses are to close. Now, those, now that's something that I, that I probably would argue about separately, but that's not my argument right now. Um, you know, uh, this, this closing at 11 hours of operation local ordinance was basically put in 80s, early 90s during the, the height of the, of the cocaine, the crack cocaine epidemic. And it was designed to just shut the city down at nighttime and just um, uh, be able to police the city and look for crackheads. That was what it was designed for. But still, 20 years later, the city still has this curfew at 11 o'clock where the city's supposed to shut down. Me, myself, again, I have a sanctuary, a church. I registered as a church, and I don't think I'm exempt. I don't think I'm covered by the um, 11 o'clock curfew. So I remain open every night after 11 o'clock, and... The police, you know, and I've told the police that I'm exempt from that statute. That statute is about businesses, and I have not only do I have the restaurant, which is a business, but I also have this building here, which is a sanctuary, a church. And basically, I got into a pissing contest with one of the lieutenants about if it was a church or if it was a business. He decided it was a church and started harassing me at nighttime after 11 o'clock. He started coming around and trying to intimidate my congregation. He actually even started doing it during the daytime too, but um, you know, I I resist like I resist everything. You know, whenever the government comes to bother me about anything, I resist. I just can't help it. You know, um, and ultimately, I started filming the police officers harassing me, and I filed a federal lawsuit in federal court alleging that they were interfering with my uh, First Amendment right to assemble and my First Amendment right to. Uh, freedom of religion. Um, this made a lot of press. Uh, you know, I, I I wrote about it myself. I'm a columnist for a newspaper in New Jersey. I wrote about it myself. Um, several newspapers and television shows, again, once news shows, again, once again, covered everything about my case. And then last week, the police retaliated. Uh, they got a phony warrant. I still don't know what the affidavit on the warrant says to give them permission to it, but the but the judge did sign off on a warrant saying they can come in and look for marijuana. 
uh, they told the, they lied to the to the judge somewhere and said that I was distributing marijuana. And again, I wasn't involved in selling marijuana. I have marijuana. You know, I smoke marijuana. I share marijuana. Uh, our our temple, we have a community a communal jar of marijuana. Um, our members can smoke out of it. You know, just like some some place you go, they have a big jar of candy in the middle of the table. Right. I have a jar of marijuana. Oh, that's cute. Okay. That's, that's cute. I like that. Yeah, and and it was basically about a half a pound of marijuana when the police came. Um, again, they were really coming for my camera system, and that's what they did. They came and stole the cameras. Incidental to that was the marijuana which they took. And I told you I had a had a had a location which also I call it the stash spot, which is basically a smoke shop. Um so they charged me with they they seized all my inventory, all my pipes, bongs, papers, and they call that uh paraphernalia violation. They took all your papers? Like Yes. Papers, wow. bongs, tobacco wraps, um, you know, wow. little one hitter pipes, uh all our um uh, uh Electronic cigarettes and vape pens—they took it all, and they charged charged me with uh, with uh, paraphernalia violations. Um, they charged me with possession with intent to distribute because it was over 50 grams of marijuana to Jersey. And I have to tell you, that's the same charge that I had uh, in 2010. Like I just told you, uh, ultimately I I won in trial two times, so I had right. that exact same charge again. And I have publicly said I will be defending myself the exact same way again, um, openly advocating for jury nullification. And I do believe that, like I said, I believe in this area of New Jersey, I'm conviction-proof as far as marijuana offense goes. Now, I'm not saying I'm conviction-proof if I assaulted somebody. I'm not saying I'm conviction-proof if I had a gun and was doing some some type of uh, gun crime, violent crime, you know. But as far as marijuana possession goes, I've been calling myself the New Jersey Weed Band for the last 20 years. I'm well known in this area. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that I should have marijuana on me. I don't call myself the weedless band. I call myself the New Jersey Weed Band. I should have marijuana. I'd be embarrassed if I had <laughs> You know? So, um, so basically, if you go to New Jersey, you're the person to call. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I come my my restaurant has become a tourist location for potheads. Um, wow. You know, I have a I have a, a a partner in this business who is a nurse. Um, we have we have taken this restaurant. Her name is Debbie Medeo. We have taken this restaurant, patient this compound, and we've we've tried to make it main street and to the point that. In the state capitol, we placed this this entity across the street from City Hall. It's State Street, you know. It's down the street from Governor Christie's office. I'm as Main Street as you can get in the state of New Jersey. I'm on State Street in the state capitol, and you know the the, the police you know decided they didn't like me after a year. Uh, how how has this affected? Um your followers, your 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 church members, how's it affected your you know your restaurant members, your employees, and the rest of the community? Well, I tell you, when I first opened this last year, last last May, um, the people were a little worried about it. They thought they they were worried about they might be in there, 
please come or something. But, you know, we've gone 10 months without any problems. You know, the news covered us, everything. So it got normal. No one was afraid. And then suddenly when it bothered me in February and started intimidating the, 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 the patrons, the congregation members, yes, people stopped coming. People started, you know, being being afraid. Um, right. Uh, but I have to tell you, this raid on me, where they where they confiscated my cameras and charged me with it, by the way, which I find amazing oh. because the U.S. the U.S. Supreme Court has already said that it's legal to videotape the police officers, and now the police have confiscated my cameras. They they found some 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 rule from the 1980s where some law. It was, it was it's like a booby trap law. They're basically saying that that I I fortified my location with cameras so so that I can guard against the police. And they tried to pigeonhole mm-hmm. uh, that false narrative into this law from the 80s uh, about fortification of 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 a building. And they stole and they and they stole my camera. They 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 they, they had plans to asset forfeiture it. Um. This is a three thousand dollars system. Oh, Actually, the camera a, that you brought up. A, the camera that you had at the Seattle Hemp Fest. No, no, no. This is a three thousand dollars uh, uh, DVR oh. box, which is part of okay. a ten thousand uh, uh, dollar camera system that I had installed at this building, and that I originally had it installed almost, you know, eight nine months ago, for I was trying to do a reality show. Which I still was planning on doing, but I, I had problems actually getting it into, into production. But we had, you know, I had the ability to videotape. It's 27 cameras. I had the ability to videotape almost anything, audio anything, any room. My building was was rigged up like like the real world house or or or, or, or any of those reality shows. I was rigged up just like that. And the police, because they started harassing me. They were in camera range. I started taking the videos and putting them on YouTube. I filed a federal lawsuit, and I was using the the the, the, the video was 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 the most important aspect of my federal case that I was I was showing the federal judge how they were harassing me. So last week or two weeks ago, almost April twenty seventh, the police came and stole it. And of wow. course, I made wow. a lot of news. Yeah, I made a lot of news. We were. Uh, yeah, it, it we went were, nationwide. We were just talking about mm-hmm. we were just talking about Craig Cecil and the evidence that led him to a life sentence that was stolen and misplaced or disappeared during his his um, conviction. But we've only got about two or three more minutes left, um, New Jersey We Men. So I'm wondering the plan. What can people listening do to make sure that you don't go to jail for a plant? Um, know their jury rights. I mean, what 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 can people what do you want people to know? Is there anything else you want people to hear? Well, I'm openly going to be advocating jury notification to my local jury, to my potential jurors. Um, but people from all over the country, I mean, if you can, if you can just follow me on Facebook, you know, Facebook NJ Weedman. Um, follow me at my website njweedman.com. Um, and there will be times when I post things that you know, needing assistance and needing help. I mean, even just recently, that's this last arrest. They charged me uh, a seventy thousand dollar bail, which ten percent of oh, that is seven thousand. We used the bail bondsman. The bail bondsman was was a, was an advocate, and he he took uh, you know basically eighteen hundred bucks 
as a down payment. I actually now owe him $5,200. Um, so right now I'm trying to raise the, the bail money. Um, that, you know, luckily the bail bondsman let me out and gave me a bill. You know, I could still be sitting in jail right now trying to raise $7,000 to get out. Um, so I'm out right now over the bail bonds at least 5200 bucks, And ultimately down the road, I'm going to need a lawyer to help me. But right now, uh, that's where I'm at. If you go to my Facebook or go, go, uh, Liberty Bell Temple, support Liberty Bell Temple Defense Fund. Um, that's, that's where I'm at, trying to raise some money and trying to, trying to, trying to fight these charges. Any help would be uh, mm-hmm. greatly appreciated. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, in New Jersey, we men, if you need any help from our group, Voices of the Cannabis War, with any type of like um, imaging regarding jury nullification, or if you go to jail or something like that, we we can always help. You know, try to raise some attention to it. So maybe we can get kind of a little backup backup plan going on in case you do go, or you know, as as your trial, as you start going to trial and start facing facing your charges and stuff, we can we can help with a little bit of it on our end. To make sure you don't go to jail for a plant as well. So, um, I want to thank you very, very, very much for coming on our show and telling us what's going on in New Jersey and with your, with your, with your, um, your store and your church and your restaurant. That's doing a lot. <laughs> but um, thank you very, very much. Are you still there, New Jersey Wee Man? Oh, I think I he dropped off. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, actually, I think this might be him right here. Hold on, just a second. Let me see. Hello? Are you still there? Oh, is this Stephanie? This is Stephanie. Yeah. Okay, New Jersey Weed Man dropped off. Um, but then we have um Stephanie Landa here, who was our next guest, um, and she is from Freedom Grow. In fact, she we just I know we just talked to Beth Curtis earlier about what was going on in D.C. Stephanie was another one of um, our inspirations that was in D.C. And so here she is live to tell you, first of all, it's Mother's Day, what it's like to be without her son, Max, who is in. See, Stephanie went to prison for four years for cannabis. Then she got out. Now she's been free for a while. Now her son is in prison for cannabis. And Stephanie just recently um, raised a ton of commissary money for prisoners. So He's here live to tell you all about it. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning. <laughs> oh, I'm having a hard day, but I just keep remembering it's a Hallmark holiday. So I'm <clears throat> trying to keep it together here. Yeah, being without Max is horrible. It's boring. It's just not at all what I had in mind for life. He's just like... You know, even though your kids are a pain in the neck, you don't hear from them every day or you don't hear from them sometimes. It's just torture. You know, it's been two weeks since I've talked to him, and it's going to be another five months. I called his counselor, and she said that, you know, he was okay, but she isn't even going to interview him for 90 more days. So... Um, I don't know where he's going to go. No. If he went, like, really close to me, it would be an hour away. Great. But you never know where they're going to shift them to, and, you know, I have to wait five months to find that out anyway. And five months for him to have a phone. So it's not, like, real fun oh. um, for me. 
Washington was different, you know, it was like a lot of people, I'm so hoarse from crying, I'm so sorry, I can hardly talk. Um, I noticed in Washington that a lot of people that we ended up talking to did change their mind about marijuana. They had a question mark about how good or bad it was. It wasn't, a lot of them were Republicans and a lot of them felt like the state should decide this issue. Um, I think probably because they just want to bow out of the issue. Um, Beth Curtis was wonderful. I wish her brother would get out. I just so wish it. Like, I know. I mean, she's just such a wonderful woman. I can't imagine how wonderful he is. It's just like she's being tortured. This is just like just to have the thought in your mind that this is life without parole. I mean, I don't know if that really digests with everyone. I don't know if people realize life without parole for marijuana, nonviolent marijuana. Stephanie, her brother was charged not with just life, but two life sentences plus 20 years. Like, so two. Yeah, maybe (laughs) she'll have to go in then to serve. Well, maybe they're going to have the sister serve the second one. Just Stephanie, how do you? Oh, I see. I was thinking he had to come back to life twice. So you're thinking maybe they pass the sentence on to family members after they go? Yes. I don't know. It'll just be something else that's not fair, you know, something else that doesn't make any sense to anyone, not even people that hate pot. It makes no sense to them. So it's just, you know, unfortunately, this morning I was talking about, unfortunately not every single person smokes pot because then they would stand up like they did during alcohol because everyone wanted alcohol. So it's just too bad that it's not that type of thing because it's not best for everyone. Or maybe it is and everyone just doesn't know it. I am planning on doing two cups on July 10th uh, that weekend. One of them is on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for high times. And the second one is for chalice. And they're about a half an hour apart. And I'm going to have volunteers at both places with slushy machines. So, and I'm nice. just going to go back and forth. So, so, let's talk. Okay, so you're going to be raising commissary money. And tell our listeners how it helped and how it helped last time. Like, why they should come buy these slushies. Like, right, make, come to the event just to buy a slushie. Well, I, <laughs> I have $3,000 in money orders right here sitting in front of me. And I, oh, I got a free stamp. Saves my life. So I have them all stamped, and now I'm going to write out who they're to as soon as I talk to Mindy. And if anybody else has anybody that knows that they need money and they're indigent and they're in prison, which means that they have nothing, they can't call home. Federal prison, you have to have money on your books. You can't call home. You can't buy toothpaste. Just the little things in life that we take for granted, they have to pay for. And when they're making eight bucks or ten bucks a month, they can't pay for anything. So um, I send everyone that I collect money for, I send them a hundred dollars a piece, so that it's substantial. So thirty lucky people, not lucky because they're in jail for pot, but lucky that they have me sending the money. 
and right. they will offer a hundred dollars out of the pile that I have right now that I did get from the High Times Cup. But I was in Washington D.C. and I just haven't recovered from Max being in prison and all these things have happened to me. And I'm really, really sorry. But they will be out before I talk to you on Sunday again. Absolutely, they'll be in the mail. Okay. So oh, and then. Every two months, the High Times Cup is going to have a festival. And every other month, I mean, every two months, and the next one, Chalice, is the same weekend. So, because it's a 710 weekend. So, we're going to have two going on at the same time. Hopefully, we'll get three grand from each cup. And um, people will be getting money. So, Stephanie, I want to take it back to a couple months ago. For our listeners to know, okay, she definitely raised seven thousand dollars in commissary a couple months ago. That was a hundred dollars on seventy different prisoners, plant prisoners' books. Um, and these are plant prisoners. I mean, like we all advocate for these prisoners. Richard Delisi in a state state prison in Florida got some. Um, federal prisoners are getting some lifers. Prisoners who are sentenced to five years plant prisoners who spent since to life. I mean, this, these funds are helping plant prisoners, period. So, um, okay, so you've, you've heard what she's doing. In, she's in going every, out hustling, in, hustling in your butt off. Step. Yes. Making this commissary <laughs> money. So Not literally, those listening, old, but so those listening, Those listening can help you from their living rooms, their computers right now by going to your website and making a donation right. Um, how do you how do you find your site? Uh, freedomgrow dot org. And that's and a five hundred one c three. It's a five hundred one c three. And if you make a note that you want um, a tax write off, just tell me and I'll send it to you. So and if you're a um, if you're a business and you want to write off some 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 money, I mean this is the perfect be very perfect donation to give to especially if you're in the in the cannabis community like give back to our prisoners who can't be here because if they weren't in prison it could be you because they're going after somebody they're just picking and choosing who and it could be you but and we're helping people that are like in county jails or in the halfway house like lance he's not in prison yet but he is in prison kind of and we sent him some money so And I hope that everybody's going to that rally. His mom and I text back and forth because we're both in the same boat. Oh, good. I'm friends with his mom. Stephanie, you know his mom funds um, for the – she funded all the letters for the march that we had prisoners sign. She she got them all printed for us and the Seattle march and for the Portland march. Um, She's she's the one who sponsors our letters. So we love Tracy. We love her, love her, love her, love her. And yeah, and I'm helping to organize that rally. Yeah, it's it's Tuesday at three. The rally starts at one thirty in Tacoma, Washington, at the federal building. You know, I'm personally urging everybody to bring a sign for Lance. Come early, be there. It's a you know once in a lifetime detention hearing. His his attorney worked his ass off, excuse my language, to get him that hearing, and otherwise he'd be stuck in there till sentencing. So, you know, he's in there for a cell phone violation. That didn't even happen. Like it, they're full of crap, and they're it, it's just, just just messing with him. And should be home with his uh, family at these times. This might, you know, if he's sentenced to jail time, this might be the only chance he gets to spend with his family. So thanks, thanks, yeah, Stephanie, that, for bringing up Lance. That's beautiful. Thank you. 
Well, and also his mom just texted me that the money I sent him, he got to buy a card for her for Mother's Day. Oh, oh boy. I know. I, you know, I got a sweet letter from Lance, too, wishing me a happy Mother's Day. So, yeah, she showed up at the march wearing a free Lance Glore T-shirt. It was just so cool. Oh. Like, she's fighting for her son on so many different levels. Like you, like you do. Yeah, yeah it's, cool. it's heavy out here. <laughs> I know it's much worse for them in there. Much, much, much worse. I mean... I get letters from my kid. I'm just heartbroken. I'm like, oh, my God, because I know they're torturing them. I mean, any place that has 6,000 guys instead of 2,000 is torture. Yeah, you know, I know. It's so overcrowded. Oh, my God. Okay, well, anyway, everybody <laughs> out here. For everybody out here, just take, like, a few dollars and put it on somebody's books. You can do it yourself. Like, you don't really right. need me. I'm just a vehicle that's saying, do it, do it, do it. We can do it. And also, yep. I really want to get together with you soon on this hemp fest because I want to do the booth. Okay. Okay, well, I've got so. to send them a message, ask them. I've, I've got it. I've started it, but I need to ask them if we can do some more prison outreach there. Um, they've got uh, POW420 is doing a merchant booth for them. But other than that, I want to see if we can have kind of a, an area where where we can do quite a bit of, of more prison outreach. So I'm, I'm getting ready to, yeah, because to by find then, out. By then, Freedom Grow is going to have T-shirts and lighters and whatever else I can afford. Okay, cool. So cool. we'll have, like, some stuff that, you know, we're making up postcards. And, you know, I, I want to, like, get a lot of letters written. That's what I really would like to have people write letters because that right. seems to be on a back burner with me lately. You know, I'm well, like, don't okay, worry about it. We've here, been doing could it you write the clemency letter and could you write a letter? I mean, it seems to be too much for people. Oh. Well, hey. <laughs> All right, so no, we'll let you go. We've got a couple more people in, in 27 minutes left. Okay. So okay, we love you. Great. Love you. I love you too. Love you, Jean. Yeah, okay, Steph. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys, we are going to go real quickly um, to Kevin Sanders. Uh, he just got his charges dropped. We're just going to get a quick update of what freedom feels like and what happened. And then after that, right after that, we're going to go to Tom Corby, who we're going to be joined with Dr. David Allen. And it looks like another doctor is on the line, Dr. Denise. So, we're going to talk to them, but first we're going to find out what in the world in California is going on to Kevin Sanders. Um, oh, looks like Mindy, Mindy's screening it right now. But um, So as we just wait a couple seconds, um, Kevin was facing trial, and he was almost at his trial when his charges were dropped. So let's find out um, the details. Kevin, why were your charges dropped, and how does freedom feel? Well, first of all, the charges were dismissed, and I, I feel great. I was hoping for a trial. I really wanted the information to come out. I really I wanted to put, uh, you know, the system, for lack of a better term, on trial. I wanted to put more, more exclusively Monterey counties uh, on trial. And um, I just – it feels great. It feels uh, – especially with someone who has a seven-year-old mother who, you know, is, is an RN who's not, you know, feeling well and has had melanoma. You know, you never know when – 
how many Mother's Days we have. And um, I'm in Mississippi with my partner and girlfriend, Kitty Merchant, and we're visiting her family. And it's just, you know, being in a place like this, and David can speak, Dr. Allen can speak more to his 14 months in Mississippi in a cage, but I'm sitting on a lakeside uh, about to go fishing <laughs> and, uh, and surrounded by family. And I just, uh, you know, it, 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 it makes you realize, it makes you realize how, how uh, the work that people like Jeff Mazansky in Missouri and some of the, the activists in states that aren't like California or Washington, or Oregon or, or Colorado. And I'll, again, I'll say, you know, not to take anything away from, from California activists and, you know, because jail is jail, but but to, to do it here, like when I stepped off the plane in Texas in our layover, I had forgotten where I was. You know, I can't just pull out my vape. I can't just find a dispensary and get on a taxi and you know head down to San Francisco like you could if you were you know layover in Denver or in the city. And you can't just do that in Dallas, and you especially can't do it here in Jackson, Mississippi. And it, it gives so much inspiration to me when people are are facing real time like David spent and, um, you know, others spent and, and it, and it's just so much harder to get stuff done in Alabama and in, in Mississippi. So when you have the oil law passed, Lenny's law, whether you agree with all the aspects or not, or the entourage effect or not, and I've always believed just getting your foot in the door and then you, then you can kick the door down and, and having an oil only law in Alabama is akin to a full, legalization in my opinion in, in California it's a huge step so we're here in Alabama and Mississippi for family but also for for business we want to be the first to bring uh, wrap oil Jeff everyone knows Jeff Ramirez he's probably has the best oil stock in in uh, around and you know I'm hoping that Jeff would would be uh, allow me to take his oil wrap oil to Alabama and be the first oil dispensers here before you know corporate Pores get and you know and 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 Chinese made hemp uh, CBD doesn't become uh, narrative here uh, for good or for bad and and we have to get the real the real oil here and then the flower will come next but I'll tell you that the fertile land here and the soil and and the people and the and the history of race relations that they've had and and some of the the diseases that are epidemic in, in the black communities here along the delta where I'm at right now and in this along the river would would be so helped by the work that David Allen does with some of the diseases like you know sickle cell and uh, hypertension and and some of the diseases that afflict mainly the black community and I just think that um, you know Birmingham and Alabama turning those jails that Luther King were once in into dispensaries or into growth facilities would be, you know, closest thing to reparations, which I think are next. I think reparations are coming for, for people just, just like Agent Orange in Vietnam. I think, uh, I think you're going to start seeing reparations. And I'm so eager to move past this dispensary debate, this stupid ban debate that we're having, or this fake legalization OMA debate that we're having in California and, and do real reform and, and do things like Bracero programs for, for uh, Native Amer- you know, for, uh, for Hispanics and, and have a you know the unions have a big role in this to, to, to have a buffer against corporate corporatization and and we need to have uh, SSI and low income paid for subsidized just like corn is subsidized and wheat cannabis has to be subsidized and there's so there's so many issues that are way beyond the fights that city councils are 
are having now, and that doesn't even touch all the stuff that could happen in our jails and prisons, like giving CBD vape pens instead of Seroquel, and allowing deputies right. in the jails to to have access on the job, on the job. And so, you know, I just uh, it's, it's an inspiration to 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 listen to shows like this, and I learn so much. And again, I want to thank Kristen especially, and people like Stephanie and uh, Katrice Saunders, and you know, people like that who. Have, you know, really paid the price, and um, I think I'll probably just quit talking and listen to the people that know what to talk about. So, well, Kevin, um, well, Kevin, I just want to say, you know, you sound so great. Like you have all these things you want to do to help make the world a better place, and I am so happy that your charges were dropped, and now you have the ability to make things better for all of us. And all those things you said and things that way things should be and way things shouldn't be, they all sounded good, and you sound so happy. And I just want to thank you again for calling into our show to give us your update. And people, that's what freedom sounds like. That's what I mean. He could be in, he could be sitting in prison. So I thank thank you for your sacrifices as well, Kevin. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And help. I can't wait to see what you're going to do to change the world. Oh, thank you so much, and I'll just continue listening on, and I'll I'll get off now. But thank you so much, and uh, Kitty says cool, hi. Thank you. But cool. Wanted, hi. Uh, I, thank you, and she says hi, and I just wanted to, again, just really, uh, people listen, you know, to the show, and and they, they got to know, you know, people like Tom and. You know, we got Tom gonna, and Doctor Allen coming on next. <laughs> well, I get I get, emo- I get emotional, but but Tom, Tom really. Um, he really stood by me, and, and David Aww. too. So and David and I didn't start out. Oh, Kevin, I don't know if you're there, but all of a sudden we kind of lost your. We lost you there. So I'm gonna um, say thank you to you. Oh, there you are, a little bit. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Hey, I know I wasn't crying. We were, I was in football. What's up? Shit. <laughs> I was Wanted to, I, no, I got. A, sorry, I get a little emotional, but uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, people, people are really special to me in this movement and and on Facebook, and you know, even if I haven't met some of the people, they really are family, and you know, I'm getting oh, off. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Love you. Bye. bye. Love you too. Bye. All right, listeners. That that was Kevin Sanders. You got a little emotional when you started talking about Dr. David Allen and Tom Corby, who are our next two guests. Uh, for those of you who do not know Dr. David Allen and Tom Corby, uh, Dr. Dr. or Tom Corby is a Northern California chapter coordinator for the Human Solution International, and he fights for so many prisoners and defendants up there. It's amazing. He goes to all court, no matter when, where, or what. Tom Corby is there. So, you know, when Kevin gets emotional about Tom, I understand why Tom gives his all, and his wife Donna, um, they give their all to help others, and. Uh, Dr. Allen, who's on the show also, is a doctor who was prescribing the plant to the people who needed it, and he got in trouble for it and went to prison and lost his career. Dr. Allen was a heart surgeon. Um, He's a very, 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 very um, heroic person to our movement, and without doctors, we don't have medical cannabis. So we're going to find out what's going on with both of them in their, their part of the wood, neck of the woods up in Northern California. Good morning, Dr. Allen, and good morning, Tom Corby. How are you guys today? Oh, I want to thank you, Kristen, Eugene, Mindy, uh, and Eugene, Mindy, and Dr. Nichols. 
and all those in the same line helping us come together. Tom, you've got like a really bad echo. We can hardly hear you because when you talk, there's kind of an echo behind. Can you hear me now? I think it's your other radio. A lot better, yeah. uh, Uh, How's that? Am I better now? Yes, definitely. Some other phones on here. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes. You can hear me now, Kristen. Yes. Hello. All right, good. We have some other phones on. That's the point we want to make, folks. we have a group of folks here, as usual, at Happy Hill uh, at our round table, and, and we're strategizing uh, with Nick Rand, uh, Dr. Denise Hans uh, here today, and uh, uh, Wayne Williams, and Donna Corby, and Alex Lyons is here. And uh, we'll, what we do is we're advocating and we're working on cases. Uh, 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 so, What's going on in Northern California is historical, and, and what was mentioned earlier, California, especially Northern California, is setting huge precedent, not only uh, in all the counties here, all the states, worldwide. Uh, being uh, Northern California Human Solution uh, Regional Coordinators, uh, we started, Chris knows way back when, four years ago, we only had two chapters of the Human Solution, Southern Cal, North Cal, once we joined forces with Christian, now we're 50 chapters international. Come join us at the Human Solution International uh, dot org. Uh, go to uh, click on the calendar, uh, post all your events, uh, and we can help muster support for your next hearing or trial. Uh, May 2nd up here in Northern California was historical. Uh, I have on my calendar here. Uh, not only uh, Alex Lyons here today on his uh, uh, he was going to a pre-trial conference that's been canceled, taken off the calendar uh, Alex Lyons will be going back for his PTC on June 9th uh, right here in Oroville uh, number one Court Street come for Court Sport if you can always uh, also uh, Kevin Saunders uh, was also uh, scheduled uh, uh, for a case in this case, though, actually was scheduled for, uh, we were going for court support with Kevin uh, over in, up in uh, Monterey County. Uh, his case was also dismissed, as was Mary Donnelly's on May 2nd. Now, what's that say? It's, it's saying that people are getting tired of wasting time and taxpayers' money, uh, and we're getting cases dismissed, we're getting acquittals, we just had the two huge acquittals with uh, Joseph Tully uh, uh, up in uh, uh, El Dorado County. So we are gaining momentum to end prohibition. This is our goal and vision. Uh, also, uh, uh, this last Monday, May 2nd, was historical. James Bennett, we went to his uh, uh, status conference. Uh, uh, it didn't last long. Uh, basically, all the uh, Bennett and his boys did was recuse another uh, incompetent attorney and hire Joseph Tully finally. Also, we had a press release uh, up there with Matt, uh, Matt Pappas, uh, Joe Grum, Brian Pappas, and uh, Larry King came all the way up from LA, uh, stopped during the way for a meeting. Uh, we only had two days to build this historical tent. Uh, it actually made ABC News uh, Channel 7 on Monday. You want to click on 
uh, when I talked, uh, I, I pointed out that we not only need criminal attorneys, we also need civil attorneys to file an injunction in Boston. Matt Pappas is uh, second to none. So uh, uh, they plan on coming back up again uh, in a month or two uh, for the Benos and their boys and uh, for other defendants. Uh, also, on the calendar this week, uh, again, we have Sylvia Cerro. What's that day? She finally, after 30, 35 preliminary hearings, is going on to trial. Oh, Judge Thornborn has said more than once. Why am I still hearing this case? This last hearing, he said, this case is weak. Why? Because his hands are tied. The DA is up there forcing him to take him on to trial. So you know, it's finally going on to a trial setting conference at 8.30 a.m. on that summer. That's 7.29th Street, Sacramento, uh, Department 8. And uh, local 50 mile radius all always applies to all courts of court. When defendants are going on to trial, we'll go a long ways when the jury's there. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, Dr. Allen will be talking, uh, coming up here. Uh, Dr. Denise uh, Canton's also here. Uh, uh, when Mindy mentioned that uh, doctors are so important too, that we protect our doctors' rights, and they must stay also with the laws and the guidelines. Dr. Allen will, will tell you, explain that. Uh, I also want to shout out to Mike Harris and Karen Harris down in Los Angeles with the Coffee Party Radio Show uh, with Joe Grumbine. Uh, and uh, Cup of Joe Radio Show is at 5 to 7 p.m. every Wednesday night. Uh, phone in uh, and listen at 646-929-2495 and come join us uh with, uh, with the Coffee Party Radio Show. Um, without any further ado, uh, here's Dr. David oh, Allen. All right, thank you, Tom. Good morning. Hi, hi, Dr. Allen. What, what's going on? I heard you're going to China. Oh, I just came back from China. Yeah. You I, just came. What happened while you're in China? We went to uh, visit the oldest known uh, site of uh, use of medical marijuana in, on Earth. It's in wow. uh, the, the Gobi Desert in uh, Turpan, China. And so we, I flew to Hong Kong, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mark Clokeed, uh, is called the Weed Guy. You can look him up on Facebook and uh, uh, YouTube. And uh, he's hired by Advanced Nutrients to go around and smoke cannabis and visit interesting cannabis sites. And so he went there previously, and he took me this time. And uh, it was a wonderful th- time. We visited these old ca- these uh, old mm-hmm. burial sites, and they had this mummy that was buried over 3,000 years ago, and he was a white guy with red hair. And he was like a, a shaman, uh, you know, like an elder in the tribe. And they buried him with a hatchet and a, a, a bow and a harp and nearly a kilogram of marijuana. And the marijuana had seeds in it but had no evidence of, uh, of male plants. And so this is the oldest known use of uh, 
uh, cannabis, female cannabis. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. And they, apparently they did DNA sequencing of, of that cannabis as well. And uh, wow. we... We uh, went to the Flaming Mountains, and we had a, uh, a hang glider, a powered hang glider flight over the uh, the Flaming Mountains, and you can just look on Facebook. That's pretty cool. Uh, wow. Uh, have they tried to pop any of those seeds that they found in the... Uh, I'm impressed, Dr. I, I Allen. Thank you. But uh, should anybody bring seeds back from Turpan, China, they would be considered land-raised seeds, which meant, which would mean that they were uncrossed with other varieties and considered wow. a, a regional strain. Um, so those, wow. those seeds would be pretty valuable, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bring them back? <laughs> well, well, Dr. Allen. Uh, <laughs> You're the doctor. So we, we, met some locals. we met some locals and we smoked some hand. Um, it's a sativa. And we smoked 36. It's a big, big gore thing. And we, it's on YouTube. Facebook thing. And uh, seriously, I took one hit off this thing and couldn't take a second hit. Oh, wow. <laughs> You guys, I know the doctor is telling you that. That, uh, that never happened to me <laughs> Wow. All right. Well, um, Dr. Allen, is there any updates on your medical license um, situation going on? Are you still fighting for that? or? Well, I got notified that I'm going back to court November 14th uh, through the 18th. Um, and they're going to try to take my license, and they're saying I'm non-compliant with uh, probation, which is actually true. Um, but the truth is, the medical board is attacking uh, physicians in this specialty. And actually, the new law that Governor uh, Gary Brown signed into law says that uh, the medical board, by pre- by uh, priority has to investigate any um, complaints against a doctor for cannabis crimes that they have to prioritize over all other investigations. So this new law actually changes the medical board's uh, nature. Used to the medical board was protecting patients from bad doctors. Now the medical board, by priority, is a marijuana-only drug enforcement agency. And what they're wow. doing is they're trying to suppress doctors that talk about this this new medicine because uh, this is actually a new science because we, we didn't know about this science because we didn't have the technology to understand this science. And it's all about a chemical communication system that your body has that uh, these chemicals your body makes latches on to receptors that are on all cells, you can consider them like a little antenna, and as the antenna receives these chemical messages, it does marvelous um, in the cell causing homeostasis, which is a really important concept. Homeostasis is the ability for the cell to survive in an adverse environment. And so... This is a new science that's going to replace the old pharmaceutical science. 
And oh. just for instance, if you use cannabis for 20 years or more, if you smoke it, the incidence of diabetes is 66% less. So that means oh. the incidence of anything caused by diabetes is decreased by that same amount. And smoking it is not the best way to use it. Actually, if you eat it raw, it helps probably better. We don't have any uh, we don't have any long-term studies that prove that, but I suspect that that is as well is true. But what I'm telling you, if you there is a study that proves if you smoke it for 20 years that your incidence of diabetes is 66% less. So that would mean wow. the incidence of dialysis uh, or the need for diabetic testing equipment would also be 66% less. So can wow. you imagine what financial impact that would make on the current pharmaceutical system? I was just saying, they might go And so whoever is in charge of the government, it's not, it's not the president, but whoever is in charge of the government right. Has, made, right. has made the medical boards go after doctors that do this specialty. And Dr. Fry and myself, Dr. Molly Fry and myself, would like to find a lawyer to sue in federal court a medical board for actually attacking this specialty because they claim that we're not doing a good faith exam. There's no definition for what a good faith exam is, and they know it. And so they make these, and they, they attack us in administrative courts, and administrative courts is not a real court it denies you a jury trial. So I think that if I went to a jury trial, that I would be found innocent of these charges that the medical board uh, charged against me. But since they in administrative court, it's just a judge, and the judge's salary is paid directly from the medical board's uh, allotment of money. So the medical board gets so much money every year and the biggest portion of that money goes for court administrative courts, which means the judge that judges you is paid for by the medical board. Wow. And so, so uh, I think I can prove a very strong case that the medical board is trying to suppress this science by attacking what they consider the, as the head of the snake the doctors who allow patients to have access to cannabis are considered the head of the snake. And if they can stop this access point, then they can reduce uh, consumption. In their, in their silly minds, that's what they think. But, of course, we know that, that just attacking the doctors is not going to make people use cannabis less. Right. Well, Dr. Allen, we're almost out of time. We only have about two minutes left. But I want to ask you, um, we've got George Monterano coming on the line, and he's going to help us close out the show and give us his final thoughts about the movers and the shakers of the cannabis against the end of cannabis war. But, um, you know, you say all this stuff about all the science and all these beautiful, wonderful things about cannabis, but yet we still have over 50 people, possibly up to 100 people, serving a life sentence for something that can benefit us. And for all of our listeners, you heard it. You heard it right straight from the doctor's mouth. Cannabis is good for you, um, basically, is what is what um, was what Dr. Allen is telling us. And I believe he's with another doctor as well who's listening. So that's two doctors that tell you that 
you know, it's not as bad as a life sentence for cannabis. So, Dr. Allen, I want to thank you um, for coming on the show and also Tom Corby. And then um, uh, is there anything else you want to say before before we move on to George Monterano? Kristen, uh, listen, uh, when we were up uh, at the uh, James Benno Status Conference uh, with Pappas, uh, Dr. Denise uh, uh, Canton uh, is working with Molly Fry, and actually uh, Molly Fry uh, talked with uh, uh, Pappas for almost an hour. And Dr. Allen, nice. I couldn't make it. Uh, also, he's going to start working on both their cases. The first thing he's told them, oh, cool. I want to let Dr. Kent talk today, it's unconstitutional to not allow them to share in the cannabinoid science. So here's Dr. Uh, Denise Kent to share a little bit about the injunction lawsuit with Molly Fry. Um, so what was, it was very uh, rewarding that he would talk to her uh, for such a long time and gave her some ideas on that they're not supposed to be spending any money, um, the Department of Justice, for crimes with cannabis if it's in a state that's medically legal, which they are here in California. And um, to my knowledge, she went to Washington, D.C. To, after talking to him to see about a pardon from the president. I don't know how that's turned out at this point, but... Um, you know, there is a lot of stuff that's going on against doctors that people don't realize. The last doctor who covered for me um, when I had to go away for a couple months, being charged with rape in an office that there is no way that that happened or could happen. And, you know, they come at you for charges other than cannabis. And they say, oh, it's not about the cannabis. But then you've got another front that you're trying to deal with. And they just keep postponing cases and postponing hearings so the doctor can't work. They've taken their license away, and it's still nasty what's going on out there. All right, well, thank you, guys. we got to stand up. we got to stand up and do something. Um, this is this is an outrage. You guys, um, I want to thank you guys for coming on, and thank you very, very much for coming on our show and telling us, telling us what you think about it. Um, and I want to wish you guys a beautiful Sunday. Um, next. We are going to go to next. We're going to go to uh, George Monterano, who served 33 years of a life sentence. We were expected to hear from George um, a little bit about an hour ago, but he didn't make it on the show. And we're getting ready to do closing, so we're going to get a few seconds of George's final thoughts about um, our topic of the show, which is the movers and shakers in the fight against prohibition. And George is definitely one of those. Uh, good morning, George. Hey, good evening. I mean, good afternoon, guys. Sorry about good today, morning. but I went on a, I went on a long run dedicated to my mother because it's Mother's Day. It's first Mother's oh, yeah. Day I've been with her in over 32 years, so I dedicated uh, a 10-mile run to her. And during oh. the run, I was going to call, but my phone is giving me trouble with Gene's nose this week, and I couldn't get there, get through to the station, but I got through to Gene. But anyway, that behind us, you know, uh, again, I'd like to just touch on Mother's Day with a poem I wrote for her today, and her first name is Evelyn. And it goes like this. Evelyn, did you know falling stars scream whence they descend? And the only one that can hear that despairing cry are the lonely of hearts like you and I. That's the poem. 
It's a short poem dedicated to my mother, and I wrote it out, it's, and I will present very, it to very the dinner. beautiful, George. I'll present it to the dinner party uh, that we're going to be having, especially for her later on today. But anyway, uh-huh. it's getting back to the, to the movies and shakers of cannabis. I believe uh, in every situation you have to think through it. Now, Pennsylvania right now has approved the medical marijuana, use of medical marijuana, and this is basically uh, a conservative state. Okay, now they they made this uh, this transcend to medical marijuana. So what do you do? What do you do? My suggestion is to the people that uh, that states that are getting it or uh, the states that are trying to make amendments is what I've been doing, going around to the community of ill people. That hey, they know about medical marijuana, okay, but they have never they never had access to it. Now they're going to. So I have. Half a dozen ill people, okay, they're chronic, and American marijuana is going to turn their life around. I had a meeting with them, etc. So what I do, what I'm going to do is bring them to the politicians, the powers that be. Now, these are the people that have been voting for them for decades, okay? These are the people they know by first name. So that's how I should, I, I am going to do it in this conservative city of Philadelphia, even though it's just passed this law. It's still conservative. Their approach is still conservative. So my, my, like, my belief is to get individuals that they know, who have been voting for them, who have been putting them in office year after year, and say, hey, I'm sick. And I think the argument's going to be here. They have its edible use, but not to inhale it. So that's the argument that we're going to present. You know, because some people uh, can do the edibles, and it helps for some of them. Some people have to do the inhaling to help. So... That's what I'm on. That's my opinion, to uh, not go out in a broad, a broad thing, okay, not, not present a lot of people to a conference room. You get individuals that they know that are ill, and you bring them into these politicians' office, and I think, I think you can make big steps. Gene? Yeah, George, it sounds fantastic. It's a very creative idea. Sounds very good. Um, well, so Eugene and George, um, George, I was wondering, like we've had the show today. We've talked, we talked to Beth Curtis earlier about lifers and we've, we've talked about like, um, we put a lot of focus on life sentences and you are a mover and a shaker because all of the advocacy things that you have done since you've got out of prison has touched us all tremendously. So I, I just want to thank you for being a mover and a shaker and being on our show. I, I appreciate that, and and, and, and I did, I, I did, uh, I did. Be, I was able to grasp a large audience from the cell by my hard copy writing. But now that I'm out, uh, that I'm out free, I believe uh, a lot can be done. A lot can be done on a smaller level, smaller level by just going around and talking to people every chance you get. And when I see someone ill. Uh, the sad situation, someone ill, whether young or old, in a wheelchair. And that's, that's the ones I approach and say, now, you know, relief, relief from pain uh, to have a life. Basically, have a life is at your fingertips. And we have to deal with it in the right manner with just getting your story out because that's what the world's about. The world is about stories. So these sick individuals, if they can get their story out, the powers that be, and I, I plan to take a whole group up to Harrisburg. That's the main seat in this state. Okay, that's like, again, these are the simple people who put these people in office and let them hear their voice. So 
Yes, uh, I'm going to the Hempfest Festival. Uh, I presented as a, as one of the other grand marshals, and I'll be speaking to the large numbers, which is great. But also, also you have to do your job on a small basis, on a daily basis. Gene. Uh, George, yeah, it, it sounds like a very positive, uh, practical way of approaching this this thing. Uh, it's good to hear that. Uh, Beth Curtis, who was on earlier, was emphasizing that she's also working with Washington D.C. Uh, to try, you know, on a step-by-step basis, trying to get some kind of relief for some of the guys uh, still in prison on on marijuana charges. Uh, so yeah, the the simple simple approach is really a good approach. Well, you know, you know, you you help one person that's ill, you help him understand. He talks to another, and then when then it turns into a nice group, and then you can get this nice group and say, hey, incidentally, I'm glad you're understanding that it's helping your municipal purposes. But there's men in prison languishing, they're languishing. First, you have to, you know, you have to train them. You have to train them to be advocates. You can't just say, wake up morning and say, hey, we need you. We need you to be like uh, Christian. We, or you need you to be like Gene. That's not going to happen. So you have to indoctrinate them in an intelligent manner, and basically they have to deliver. They have to like the messenger who's delivering the message. That's important. <laughs> and fortunately, I'm fortunate enough to to have that sense. So, you guys, it's, we're about eight minutes past overtime for the show, so I'm going to start going into close, and if you guys just want to stick around until I'm done closing out the show, and maybe you guys can give your final thoughts of Prohibition and Mother's Day, and then we'll say goodbye and play our song. But um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, first of all, Happy Mother's Day to my mother who just got off of federal probation, um, who lost my father due to the war, and I love you, Mom, if you're listening. Um, thank you, and I love Mindy's mom, too. Um, so everybody's moms, I love you all, and happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, but I want to thank CCHI for giving us this platform to do our radio show on. I also want to thank all the callers, all the listeners, all the volunteers, and to know that you have the power right now to end the war in two ways. Number one, stop pitching. If you tell on each other we're all going to jail except for you, how fair is that, especially when you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing? So all the snitches that are listening, stop snitching. If you're not a snitch, don't start. Next thing, say not guilty. If you are ever called to jury duty, know that you have the power not to just judge if the law has been broken, but to judge a law. And you have the power to say not guilty, and you can refuse to send somebody to prison for the rest of their life for a plant. Um, thank you, uh, everyone. We all, So today is Sunday, and on Sundays we always like to do a rest in peace. So first and foremost, I would like to say rest in peace to my father, Richard Floor. Um, who died shackled to a hospital bed, and I personally had to take him off life support while they still had him chained because he was in prison for a plant. My father followed all the state laws. However, the federal laws were different, and the federal laws sent him to prison, and my mom as well. So we love you, Dad. The next thing I want to say is rest in peace to Jer- Gary Shepard. Uh, 21 years ago, Jerry Shepard was shot down uh, during a raid. He was protecting his plants. And his, and his soulmate, Mary Jane Jones, was shot down as well, both to the ground. Over 20 different times Gary was shot. Gary died immediately. When Mary Jane Jones held their baby son, Jake, in her arms, she, she fell to the ground as well. But she survived. She lived another 20 years. In fact, we just lost Mary Jane Jones not too long ago um, due to cancer. So rest in peace to both, both Gary Shepard and Mary Jane Jones. 
Also, rest in peace to Jack Hare, who taught us about the plant, who wrote us a big, huge, long book called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. You can read that book and find out all about the conspiracy, why they lock our people up, and why they don't want want the plants to be known as what it should be known for. Um, you can find out everything you want to know, benefits of the plant, by reading Jack Hare's book. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who I found out more. He died while he was on probation, and Peter McWilliams was a civil rights activist, not just for, for cannabis, but for, for gay rights. And he he spoke on so many, he was such an um, inspirational person. He was also involved in politics. And Peter McWilliams was growing some plants that helped him with his nausea. And he was serving probation and unable to have his plants. And rumor has it that Peter died choking on his vomit. Um, so, you know, rest in peace, Peter McWilliams. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Bill Lamorte, who was a close friend of Eugene Fisher's. Uh, Bill Lamorte was serving his 20th year in prison. And on the day of the 4th of July, Bill Lamorte grabbed his chest and fell to the ground right in the middle of the prison yard. Bill Lamorte died of major heart attacks. So we want to say rest in peace to our hero, our silentest of all heroes, Bill Lamorte. Also to Larry Harvey, whose family himself was facing cannabis charges, and Larry went all the way to D.C. to advocate to change federal laws. Uh, he passed away from cancer right in the middle of his family, or just after his family's trial. Also, rest in peace to D. Young for giving us Adam. Also to Curtis Cecil, whose father, Craig Cecil, calls him to our show almost every single Sunday. Uh, Curtis died in the war without his dad, and his father wasn't even able to go to his funeral. We also want to say rest in peace to Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde, who were little children growing brain tumors. And when their caregivers were raided, their parents didn't have access to the medicine like they should have. And our two little children died in the war. And also to Bernardo Bruno Martinez, who is um, helping to end the war on a, on a worldly level. And to Elaine Salmon, who is an own actual tribal member, who the post office intercepted her medicine, and she got real sick shortly after and passed away. And also rest in peace to Oscar, Eugene, and George Monterano's friend, who went to FCI in the sky, as they call it. And help us end prohibition today so all of our prisoners can go home and nobody has to die in prison for a plant. Thank you for listening. And Eugene and George, I'll let you have the final thoughts, and then we'll go into our radio show. And have a nice day. Uh, I just like to. I just like to um, uh, say in my in commemoration of my mother who passed away while I was in prison that uh, she rests in my heart, and I know I she's looking down and blessing me from from heaven. Uh, and that's my my thoughts on this Mother's Day. Okay, Gene. I know I know what you went through. I was with I was with you with Mom, and uh, you know the, all these stories are going to come to light, and they have been coming to light through uh, you know through communications and radio and freedom of speech. So bless that, bless that. We can even though we're out, we're allowed to do freedom of speech. That's so important. And uh, until next week, everyone. Take care and goodbye from George Martorano. Okay, goodbye. Let's just go back with your finger to walk. I don't know why you brought us to Can't figure out why. Short. Life 
hit me like hit a raid says, man, it ain't a sport. Got these evil politicians contorting the truth. And these wicked ass witches according to you to tell you the truth, man. Can't hack this. I'm losing my patience like a damn malpractice. 2012 and they still manifesting destiny with military industry complex style weaponry. Depriving heads of righteous men while sipping on the Hennessy. CIA means coke in America, apparently. It's been a narco plutocracy since the 70s. Corporations profiteering, domineering everything. Radio press, news in the media. You better learn to discern from the bullshit that they're feeding you like GMOs. From Monsanto, ringing alarms at family farms so man can't grow.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.